Chapter Five, Part Two of The Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection, by Charles Darwin, read for LibriVox.org by Michael Armenda. Distinct species present analogous variations, so that a variety of one species often assumes a character proper to an allied species, or reverts to some of the characters of an early progenitor. These propositions will be most readily understood by looking to our domestic races. The most distinct breeds of the pigeon, in countries widely apart, present sub-varieties with reversed feathers on the head and with feathers on the feet, characters not possessed by the aboriginal rock pigeon. These, then, are analogous variations in two or more distinct races. The frequent presence of fourteen or even sixteen tail feathers in the powder may be considered as a variation representing the normal structure of another race, the fantail. I presume that no one will doubt that all such analogous variations are due to the several races of the pigeon having inherited from a common parent the same constitution and tendency to variation when acted on by similar unknown influences. In the vegetable kingdom, we have a case of analogous variation in the enlarged stems, or as commonly called, roots, of the Swedish turnip and rutabaga plants, which several botanists rank as varieties produced by cultivation from a common parent. If this be not so, the case will then be one of analogous variation in two so-called distinct species. And to these a third may be added, namely, the common turnip according to the ordinary view of each species having been independently created, we should have to attribute this similarity in the enlarged stems of these three plants, not to the vera causa of community of descent, and a consequent tendency to vary in a like manner, but to three separate yet closely related acts of creation. Many similar cases of analogous variations have been observed by Naudin in the great gourd family, and by various authors in our serials. Similar cases occurring with insects under natural conditions have lately been discussed with much ability by Mr. Walsh, who has grouped them under his law of equable variability. With pigeons, however, we have another case, namely the occasional appearance in all the breeds of slaty blue birds with two black bars on the wings, white loins, a bar at the end of the tail, with the outer feathers externally edged near their bases with white. As all these marks are characteristic of the parent rock pigeon, I presume that no one will doubt that this is a case of reversion, and not of a new yet analogous variation appearing in the several breeds. We may, I think, confidently come to this conclusion, because, as we have seen, these coloured marks are eminently liable to appear in the crossed offspring of two distinct and differently coloured breeds, and in this case there is nothing in the external conditions of life to cause the reappearance of the slaty blue, with the several marks, beyond the influence of the mere act of crossing on the laws of inheritance. No doubt it is a very surprising fact that characters should reappear after having been lost for many, probably for hundreds of generations, but when a breed has been crossed only once by some other breed, 
the offspring occasionally show for many generations a tendency to revert in character to the foreign breed some say for a dozen or even a score of generations after twelve generations the proportion of blood to use a common expression from one ancestor is only one in two thousand and forty-eight and yet as we see it is generally believed that a tendency to reversion is retained by this remnant of foreign blood in a breed which has not been crossed but in which both parents have lost some character which their progenitor possessed the tendency whether strong or weak to reproduce the lost character might as was formerly remarked for all that we can see to the contrary be transmitted for almost any number of generations when a character which has been lost in a breed reappears after a great number of generations the most probable hypothesis is not that one individual suddenly takes after an ancestor removed by some hundred generations but that in each successive generation the character in question has been lying latent and at last under unknown favourable conditions is developed with the barb pigeon for instance which very rarely produces a blue bird it is probable that there is a latent tendency in each generation to produce blue plumage the abstract improbability of such a tendency being transmitted through a vast number of generations is not greater than that of quite useless or rudimentary organs being similarly transmitted a mere tendency to produce a rudiment is indeed sometimes thus inherited as all the species of the same genus are supposed to be descended from a common progenitor it might be expected that they would occasionally vary in an analogous manner so that the varieties of two or more species would resemble each other or that a variety of one species would resemble in certain characters another and distinct species this other species being according to our view only a well-marked and permanent variety but characters exclusively due to analogous variation would probably be of an unimportant nature for the preservation of all functionally important characters will have been determined through natural selection in accordance with the different habits of the species it might further be expected that the species of the same genus would occasionally exhibit reversions to long-lost characters as however we do not know the common ancestor of any natural group we cannot distinguish between reversionary and analogous characters if for instance we did not know that the parent rock pigeon was not feather-footed or turn-crowned we could not have told whether such characters in our domestic breeds were reversions or only analogous variations but we might have inferred that the blue colour was a case of reversion from the number of the markings which are correlated with this tint and which would not probably have all appeared together from simple variation more especially we might have inferred this from the blue colour and the several marks so often appearing when differently coloured breeds are crossed hence although under nature it must generally be left doubtful what cases are reversions to formerly existing characters and what are new but analogous variations yet we ought on our theory sometimes to find the varying offspring of a species assuming characters which are already present in other members of the same group 
and this undoubtedly is the case the difficulty in distinguishing variable species is largely due to the varieties mocking as it were other species of the same genus a considerable catalogue also could be given of forms intermediate between two other forms which themselves can only doubtfully be ranked as species and this shows unless all these closely allied forms be considered as independently created species that they have in varying assumed some of the characters of the others but the best evidence of analogous variations is afforded by parts or organs which are generally constant in character but which occasionally vary so as to resemble in some degree the same part or organ in an allied species i have collected a long list of such cases but here as before i lie under the great disadvantage of not being able to give them i can only repeat that such cases certainly occur and seem to me very remarkable i will however give one curious and complex case not indeed as affecting any important character but from occurring in several species of the same genus partly under domestication and partly under nature it is a case almost certainly of reversion the ass sometimes has very distinct transverse bars on its legs like those on the legs of a zebra it has been asserted that these are plainest in the foal and from inquiries which i have made i believe this to be true the stripe on the shoulder is sometimes double and is very variable in length and outline a white ass but not an albino has been described without either spinal or shoulder stripe and these stripes are sometimes very obscure or actually quite lost in dark-coloured asses the coulon of pallas is said to have been seen with a double shoulder stripe mr blythe has seen a specimen of the humonius with a distinct shoulder stripe though it properly has none and i have been informed by colonel poole that foals of this species are generally striped on the legs and faintly on the shoulder the quigga though so plainly barred like a zebra over the body is without bars on the legs but dr gray has figured one specimen with very distinct zebra-like bars on the hops with respect to the horse i have collected cases in england of all the spinal stripe in horses of the most distinct breeds and of all colours transverse bars on the legs are not rare in duns mouse duns and in one instance in a chestnut a faint shoulder stripe may sometimes be seen in duns and i have seen a trace in a bay horse my son made a careful examination and sketch for me of a dun belgian cart-horse with a double stripe on each shoulder and with leg stripes i have myself seen a dun devonshire pony and a small dun welsh pony has been carefully described to me both with three parallel stripes on each shoulder in the northwest part of india the catiwar breed of horses is so generally striped that as i hear from colonel poole who examined this breed for the indian government a horse without stripes is not considered as purely bred the spine is always striped the legs are generally barred and the shoulder stripe which is sometimes double and sometimes triple is common 
the side of the face moreover is sometimes striped the stripes are often plainest in the fall and sometimes quite disappear in old horses colonel poole has seen both grey and bay catchy-war horses striped when first foaled i have also reason to suspect from information given me by mr w w edwards that with the english race-horse the spinal stripe is much commoner in the foal than in the full-grown animal i have myself recently bred a foal from a bay mare offspring of a turcoman horse and a flemish mare by a bay english race-horse this foal when a week old was marked on its hinder quarters and on its forehead with numerous very narrow dark zebra-like bars and its legs were feebly striped all the stripes soon disappeared completely without here entering on further details i may state that i have collected cases of leg and shoulder stripes in horses of very different breeds in various countries from britain to eastern china and from norway in the north to the malay archipelago in the south in all parts of the world these stripes occur far oftenest in duns and mouse duns by the term dun a large range of colour is included from one between brown and black to a close approach to cream colour i am aware that colonel hamilton smith who has written on this subject believes that the several breeds of the horse are descended from several aboriginal species one of which the dun was striped and that the above described appearances are all due to ancient crosses with the dun stock but this view may be safely rejected for it is highly improbable that the heavy belgian cart-horse welsh ponies norwegian cobs the lanky catuar race etc inhabiting the most distant parts of the world should have all been crossed with one supposed aboriginal stock now let us turn to the effects of crossing the several species of the horse genus rollin asserts that the common mule from the ass and horse is particularly apt to have bars on its legs according to mr goss in certain parts of the united states about nine out of ten mules have striped legs i once saw a mule with its legs so much striped that any one might have thought that it was a hybrid zebra and mr w c martin in his excellent treatise on the horse has given a figure of a similar mule in four coloured drawings which i have seen of hybrids between the ass and zebra the legs were much more plainly barred than the rest of the body and in one of them there was a double shoulder stripe in lord morton's famous hybrid from a chestnut mare and male quagga the hybrid and even the pure offspring subsequently produced from the same mare by a black arabian sire were much more plainly barred across the legs than is even the pure quagga lastly and this is another most remarkable case a hybrid has been figured by dr gray and he informs me that he knows of a second case from the ass and the hemionus and this hybrid though the ass only occasionally has stripes on his legs and the hemionus has none and is not even a shoulder stripe nevertheless had all four legs barred and had three short shoulder stripes 
like those on the dun devonshire and welsh ponies and even had some zebra-like stripes on the sides of its face with respect to this last fact i was so convinced that not even a stripe of colour appears from what is commonly called chance that i was led solely from the occurrence of the faced stripes on this hybrid from the ass and hemionis to ask colonel poole whether such face stripes ever occurred in the eminently striped catty-war breed of horses and was as we have seen answered in the affirmative what now are we to say to these several facts we see several distinct species of the horse genus becoming by simple variation striped on the legs like a zebra or striped on the shoulders like an ass in the horse we see this tendency strong whenever a dun tint appears a tint that approaches to that of the general colouring of the other species of the genus the appearance of the stripes is not accompanied by any change of form or by any other new character we see this tendency to become striped most strongly displayed in hybrids from between several of the most distinct species observe the case of the several breeds of pigeons they are descended from a pigeon including two or three subspecies or geographical races of a bluish colour with certain bars and other marks and when any breed assumes by simple variation a bluish tint these bars and other marks invariably reappear but without any other change of form or character when the oldest and truest breeds of various colours are crossed we see a strong tendency for the blue tint and bars and marks to reappear in the mongrels i have stated that the most probable hypothesis to account for the reappearance of very ancient characters is that there is a tendency in the young of each successive generation to produce the long-lost character and that this tendency from unknown causes sometimes prevails and we have just seen that in several species of the horse genus the stripes are either plainer or appear more commonly in the young than in the old call the breeds of pigeons some of which have bred true for centuries species and how exactly parallel is the case with that of the species of the horse genus for myself i venture confidently to look back thousands on thousands of generations and i see an animal striped like a zebra but perhaps otherwise very differently constructed the common parent of our domestic horse whether or not it be descended from one or more wild stocks of the ass the hemionis quagga and zebra he who believes that each equine species was independently created will i presume assert that each species has been created with a tendency to vary both under nature and under domestication in this particular manner so as often to become striped like the other species of the genus and that which has been created with a strong tendency when crossed with species inhabiting distant quarters of the world to produce hybrids resembling in their stripes not their own parents but other species of the genus to admit this view is as it seems to me to reject a real 
for an unreal, or at least for an unknown cause. It makes the works of God a mere mockery and deception. I would almost as soon believe with the old and ignorant cosmogenists that fossil shells had never lived, but had been created in stone, so as to mock the shells now living on the seashore. Summary Our ignorance of the laws of variation is profound. Not in one case out of a hundred can we pretend to assign any reason why this or that part has varied. But whenever we have the means of instituting a comparison, the same laws appear to have acted in producing the lesser differences between varieties of the same species, and the greater differences between species of the same genus. Changed conditions generally induce mere fluctuating variability, but sometimes they cause direct and definite effects, and these may become strongly marked in the course of time, though we have not sufficient evidence on this head. Habit in producing constitutional peculiarities, and use in strengthening, and disuse in weakening, and diminishing organs, appear, in many cases, to have been potent in their effects. Homologous parts tend to vary in the same manner, and homologous parts tend to cohere. Modifications in hard parts and in external parts sometimes affect softer and internal parts. When one part is largely developed, perhaps it tends to draw nourishment from the adjoining parts and every part of the structure which can be saved without detriment will be saved. Changes of structure at an early age may affect parts subsequently developed, and many cases of correlated variation, the nature of which we are unable to understand, undoubtedly occur. Multiple parts are variable in number and in structure, perhaps arising from such parts not having been closely specialized for any particular function, so that their modifications have not been closely checked by natural selection. It follows, probably from this same cause, that organic beings, low in the scale, are more variable than those standing higher in the scale, and which have their whole organization more specialized. Rudimentary organs, from being useless, are not regulated by natural selection, and, hence, are variable. Specific characters, that is, the characters which have come to differ since the several species of the same genus branched off from a common parent, are more variable than generic characters, or those which have long been inherited, and have not differed within this same period. In these remarks we have referred to special parts, or organs, being still variable, because they have recently varied, and thus come to differ. But... We have also seen, in the second chapter, that the same principle applies to the whole individual. For in a district where many species of a genus are found, that is, where there has been much former variation and differentiation, or where the manufactory of new specific forms has been actively at work, in that district, and among these species, we now find, on an average, most varieties secondary sexual characters are highly variable and such characters differ much in the species of the same group 
variability in the same parts of the organization has generally been taken advantage of in giving secondary sexual differences to the two sexes of the same species and specific differences to the several species of the same genus any part or organ developed to an extraordinary size or in an extraordinary manner in comparison with the same part or organ in the allied species must have gone through an extraordinary amount of modification since the genus arose and thus we can understand why it should often still be variable in a much higher degree than other parts for variation is a long continued and slow process and natural selection will in such cases not as yet have had time to overcome the tendency to further variability and to reversion to a less modified state but when a species with an extraordinarily developed organ has become the parent of many modified descendants which on our view must be a very slow process requiring a long lapse of time in this case natural selection has succeeded in giving a fixed character to the organ in however extraordinary a manner it may have been developed species inheriting nearly the same constitution from a common parent and exposed to similar influences naturally tend to present analogous variations or these same species may occasionally revert to some of the characters of their ancient progenitors although new and important modifications may not arise from reversion and analogous variation such modifications will add to the beautiful and harmonious diversity of nature whatever the cause may be of each slight difference between the offspring and their parents and a cause for each must exist we have reason to believe that it is the steady accumulation of beneficial differences which has given rise to all the more important modifications of structure in relation to the habits of each species End of chapter five part two this recording is in the public domain